0: As I mentioned um, in the opening, uh, Pastor Dudley is away this weekend, and we uh, have uh, the honor of having Alistair Geddes with us. Um, When Alistair was a teenager, he left Scotland, he's from Scotland, and uh, it says he joined the police. I believe that that was the military police in uh, Rhodesia, which is now called Zimbabwe today. Uh, During the time on the police force, he gave his life to Christ and then he later found himself in, of all places, Dallas, Texas, uh, at a school called Christ for the Nations. It was there that he met Ezekiel Guti, who was also from Zimbabwe, and um, Alistair returned to uh, Zimbabwe to work with Guti in the forward and faith movement there. Uh, they planted many churches uh, around the country, and then in 1976, Alistair planted uh, a church uh, that is, uh, if I understand it, it's having a big anniversary this year, is that right? You're going back for that? so. Um, and then um, after uh, years of mentoring a young leader by the name, and forgive me on the pronunciation here, I think it's Nenwiza Minkandla, Alistair passed the torch of leadership to him, and the church has flourished and planted many more churches. And... Um, uh, the church that he has planted has national significance and influence. Um, Alistair is married to Carol. They both serve as board members uh, for Impact World. It's a nonprofit organization that's designed to leave a legacy for the next um, generation. And they do that by transforming lives and nations through mentoring, coaching, education, training, spiritual passion, entrepreneurship, and micro enterprise. And they have ongoing projects in the United States, Zimbabwe, India, and Haiti. And then for more information, you can visit their website at uh, impactworld.org. Now that's the official introduction. The unofficial is that uh, uh, some of you know that Alistair and Carol attended our church for a number of years, and uh, he has certainly been a friend uh, to our ministry since we've met him. He's certainly been uh, a mentor uh, to me. Uh, If you were here a few weeks ago when I spoke, uh, Alistair was uh, somebody that I had talked to and interviewed about uh, missionaries. He was so uh, gracious, and what what I think about when I think about Alistair, and you'll see that this morning as he comes to speak, is he's just... Filled with joy and the joy of Christ just exudes from him, and you will see that this morning. So, Alistair, if you'll come and take care of us.
1: I feel very miserable. Those of you who know me know that I couldn't be miserable for very long, that's for sure, right? Thank you for that great introduction. I don't know where in the world you got all of that from. It's just more than I deserve. I didn't hardly recognize myself. When was t- who are you talking about there, John? I certainly haven't lost my accent, so for- I was going to say forgive me for that, but I kind of like it. So, so it may sound to some of you like Sean Connery or something like this. <laughs> Actually, it, it's quite like Sean Connery because he comes from a place in Scotland uh, very close to me. So. It, shaken but not stirred. <laughs> um, my, my, my wife is not with, us, with me today. She's up in Virginia with a friend who's in a nursing home, um, so she, she couldn't be with us, but she did text me early this morning and said, give everybody who knows her her love and greetings to the church, so I'm happy to pass that on to you this morning. I also want to thank your pastor, Dudley Hodges, who is a good friend of mine, Uh, and the elders for this wonderful opportunity for me, at least, to come and speak to you this morning. I realize uh, when, when when a pastor gives up this platform here, he does so with sometimes a little bit of concern, perhaps, because it's very important what is said from here, and he must have a considerable amount of trust in me to give me this opportunity here. So I'm very grateful, and I don't take it lightly. I take it uh, seriously, and I'm glad and thankful that I'm able to be here with you this morning. I, I want to, I want, as I talk with you this morning, I've, I've brought my little stool here for a purpose, because I really don't want, in a sense, to have this go over like as if it's a sermon. I want it to be more, or a talk, or a lecture, or, or a preaching. I want you, if you will, to walk a lifestyle with me. I want us to talk about a lifestyle rather than a sermon. I want you to gain something. I want you to glean something from the style of our faith and the journey. And I want you to walk this journey a little bit with me this morning, if you will. This is a big year for me, personally. John, John alluded to it somewhat. Um, to 2016, I will be 70 years old this year. One of the oldest in this place, I think. <laughs> but God isn't finished with me yet. I sense Him more than I have ever done. I love Jesus more than I ever have. And I want to serve Him and love Him more than I've ever done and I'll be 70 this year. That's kind of exciting, isn't it? That's kind of exciting, that's good news. I'm not over the hill, I'm still going up the hill. And, and it's great. This is significant for me because, as, as if, you, if you calculated these dates out that were given in the introduction was, you'll find that 1976 and 2016 is 40 years. Forty years since I first started and planted a church. I have served the Lord longer than that, but I planted a church in Zimbabwe in 1976, and that's 40 years ago. And 40 years is a significant number in the Bible. It's the number of a new generation. And I'm going back in August to celebrate. I've, I, go back almost, I go back every year anyway to work with the, the church in a capacity, but this year is special. It's 40 years since I planted that church. 40 years celebration. And they're going to put, I'll be up on the platform and they'll say to me, Alistair, here is Alistair. The place is packed, there'll be thousands of people. In the pl- and then they'll say, Alistair, this is the founder and the father of our ministry. It's very encouraging. It's very satisfying. Ten years ago, when I went back there on the 30th anniversary, I promised, I stood up and I said to them, I'd like to be here. I'm here now at 30 years since I planted the church. I want to come next. And I'll be coming in and out of, uh, for over all the years. But I want to have a special occasion in 40. That's 10 years ago. So I'm going this year. And I hope to make it for the next 10 years. Well, that may now be 80. Oh, but I'm going to make it. God willing. After I spoke that morning on, on the 30th anniversary... The, the worship leader of this conference, who I've known for many years, his name is Cosmos McConey. he came up, came up to me as I was meandering my way through the crowds and he said, he said this, and it's the most poignant and powerful statement I've ever had said to me, and I say it humbly, but I say it to try to invest something in you. This is what he said. Alistair, you left a footprint in this nation. Alistair, you left a footprint in this nation. I'll I'll allude to more of that in a little while. Maybe a couple of years ago, I got this beautiful Photograph, it was actually, well, see, it's a beautiful photograph, it's actually a photograph of myself on a golf course is what it is. <laughs> and, and it was framed. And I'm standing on the golf course in Scotland, famous for its golf, and I'm looking out at the ocean. And it was sent to me by a friend of mine who was with me in Scotland at the time, an American young friend of mine, whom I've mentored and have mentored for 20, 25 years. It wasn't the photograph that meant so much to me. Actually, it was what was said underneath the photograph that he had um, typed in or, or put into the bottom of the photograph. And it said this What you leave behind is not what is engraved on stone monuments, but what is woven into the lives of others. Let me say that again. What you leave behind is not what is engraved on stone monuments, but what you've woven into the lives of others. In other words, what's important is not what your obituary says about you, but what you've touched and what you've done for the lives of others. That's how you leave a footprint. That's how you work transformation. That's the journey that God has called us to. Have you any doubt in your mind this morning? If you do, I certainly do not have any doubt that we're living in challenging times. And if ever there was a need for transformation, if ever there was a need for the kingdom of God to make a mark and for God's people to touch their community and their lives around them and even inside of themselves, it's now. We are living in times that are somewhat, in my mind at least, unprecedented. And this morning, as, you, as we journey together, I want you as well as myself to sense something in God's calling in our lives. One of the, as I, you know, I've been doing this this gig. <laughs> for a long, long time, you know. I'm so old I forget my age. And I've been doing this a long time. And sometimes the most frustrating thing that one finds a if you're a pastor or if you're a speaker or whatever, that you can ch- it's easy to challenge people. That's not the difficult part. You'll go away challenged today, I, I've no doubt about that. The question is, that the difficulty that one has is, will the challenge result in, in corresponding change? What are you going to do with what you hear? What do you do with, with, with what God says to you this morning or at any other time in your life? In fact, I have a message called, Challenge But Not Changed. That's for another time, though. Do, do you want to make, do you want your life to count? I should really pause. But, but you're here this morning. You're here this morning by divine destiny. You're here because God wanted you to be here. You're here. Some of you may have been dragged here, whatever, you're, you're here, and you're hearing me. No, none of you had a clue that it was going to be me here. So, some of you might not come. All oh, pastors not here, Well not. Hey, listen, you're here by divine appointment, and God has something for you this morning. And I'm, I'm asking you a question. Regardless of who you are, do you want your life to count? Do you want to make a difference? I'm going to give you four things this morning, based around the title of my message this morning, leaving a footprint of transformation. And the first thing that we all need to recognize is that God has a purpose for our being. Jeremiah 29, 11, the famous passage in the Scripture says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, and these plans include a purpose that I have for you. The Scripture also says, the psalmist says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let me tell you something, folks, this morning. You're not an accident looking for a place to happen. You're not here on earth haphazardly. You are here designed the way you are, created by God in the image of God To do something for God. That was why you're here. Uh, I I think many of you might remember uh, Rick Warren and his wonderful book, The Purpose Driven Life. And that, that book asks, at the very beginning of it, it asks three particular questions. A question of existence, why am I alive? Secondly, a question of significance. Does my life matter? And thirdly, a question of intention. What is my purpose? Why am I alive? And now that I am alive, does my life count? Do I count? Does my life matter? Not not your neighbor, not your husband, not your wife, but does my life matter? The answer to that is, it does. Your life counts. It's not, you're not part this morning of some big corporate blob. You're not part of some just demographic. God knows your name. He made you and He has a purpose for your life. Why am I alive? Why are you alive? Does my life matter? And what is my purpose? You know, I guess the older I get, the more I realize that all I want It's very simple. There's nothing complicated about what I want in my life. Very simple. I'm a Christian. So, this is what I want I want to be like Jesus. I want to do what Jesus did. I want to live like Jesus. I want all that Jesus has for me. Well, you know, I I tell people all the time, you know, now that I'm I'm, I'm this age, I say, look, there's good news and bad news. The bad news is I'm in the fourth quarter, the good news is I'm not in overtime. (laughs) The more that, I don't know why it is, but the older I get, the more in love with Jesus I I become. I just, I just want to do what Jesus wants me to do. And I want to share that with others around me as well. A, A guy by the name of William Cowper says this. He said, only true happiness comes from squandering oneself for a purpose. Only true happiness comes from squandering oneself for a purpose. You're here this morning. God has a purpose for your life. You may not leave a a footprint and transform a nation. Probably not. And I, when, I, when all that was going on back in the day, back in Zimbabwe, back 40 years ago, I didn't know back then what I was doing. It just happened. I didn't plan it that way. But it thrills me when I go back and they recognize that I'm the father of, of something. You know, I, 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 some, of the, some of the church is being outmaneuvered in a sense by a lot of people who are not inside the church when it comes to transformation comes to doing things outside of themselves and touching lives and transforming nations and communities and all the rest of it. And that's what I want us to get this morning. When the disciples went into the upper room in Acts chapter 2, you remember when the Holy Spirit came down in that awesome move of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, they were transformed, they were changed. But you know what had to happen? If they hadn't done anything with it, it would have, that transformation, that wonderful spirit move would have stayed inside that upper room and it would have been self-contained. But under the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit, they went out. The first thing you find Peter doing was healing a lame man, and then they, they did all sorts of things in the community, and that's why it's called the Acts of the Apostles. You see, when Jesus fills us up and we get filled with Jesus and we get filled with the Holy Spirit in our lives, all that can happen is we become agents of transformation. I was interested. I, th- I thought it was interesting. I, I, interesting to read that Mark Zuckerberg, the, the founder of Facebook, Plans to give away 99% of his wealth. I guess when you've, I guess when you've got that much of wealth, leaving one percent still is a lot more than I've got. However, having said that, I like the I like the spirit of of, of doing. Warren Buffett, with all his money, he gave 20 billion dollars to his son for a foundation, so that they could touch the world. Bono, Irishman, you too. Gave $7 million for AIDS relief around the world. And this is what he said. This is what I found interesting. This is what Bono said. I want to leave a trail. Then I put in parentheses, footprint. He put, I want to leave a trail of people behind me, legacy, who had had better opportunities or felt better about themselves because of me or smiled because of me. Now, I would... As a Christian, I would probably say it a little bit differently, but here is what he was trying to see. He was trying to leave a trail. He wanted to leave a footprint, a mark that would do something outside of himself. There's a a toy manufacturer called Tegu, T-E-G-U, and each set of toys that they sell, they put the profits into, each set of toys gets 12 trees in Honduras. So far, since they started the toy business, they've planted 530,000 trees. That's intentional. You see, if we want to know the purpose of God in our lives, it involves us being intentional with a purpose. I love millennials. Do you know what millennials are? Millennials are a wonderful group of young people that were born between the ages of 1982 and 2000. If you were born between the years 1982 and 2000, then you are the millennial generation. And you are different. And there are 53 million of you. But you're great. Wow, I love millennials. And I'm old. 77% of millennials want to work for a company with a purpose. A company that thinks outside of corporate wealth. That's that's a generality, but that's a millennial mindset. I have a church up in Virginia that I mentor and and speak at quite frequently, and go up and speak into consistently. And the pastor has me come when, when the colleges are in because they've got hundreds and hundreds of students from the universities. And I, I, I love engaging. Usually, if, if this platform was different, I'd probably come walking around there and talking to you a little bit differently, but I'm, I'm kind of afraid of this thing, actually. There's two levels to it, and I've got these glasses on. Maybe just as well. Maybe, maybe I wouldn't get asked back if I did all that stuff, right? But the millennials are all there and I just interact. I love it because they are a generation that is so different, I don't understand it. You know what? I'm a baby boomer, I'm a boomer in the general generation X and I don't understand how you can have a whole generation of people that are different. But they are, they think and process differently. But they're a wonderful group of people that if we target them correctly, we're going to see transformation because of them, through them because they think entirely differently purpose, touching lives, transformation, shaking up the system, working on behalf of the unfortunate and the less privileged is what they are into. And I love it. I love when the church understands and the Christians understand, it's not all about me. Jesus was intentional and Jesus went where others would not go. If you had to put your life in a circle this morning and you had to divide it all up, family, sleep, running around, confusion, (laughs) all this stuff, what I want to challenge you with this morning and hopefully get get some dialogue and change going is what are you going to do about the purpose that you're here for? And I'll give you perhaps some ideas as we go on a little bit. That's the first thing, we've got to have purpose. Life is not meaningless. Life is not haphazard, it's purposeful. Second thing is, I need to be proactive in your faith journey. A life of purpose is proactive, it's intentional. It's not complicated. Jesus was intentional. When he saw a need, he met it. I have to be intentional at some things. I have to be intentional when I I drink water. I know that water is good for you, and I need to be intentional when I drink it because I don't like drinking water. It's very strange to me. I can eat as much as I like. I can eat, and I can eat, and I can eat, and I can eat. And when that's done, I can eat. Somebody asked me one time, what's your favorite restaurant? I said, the buffet. but I can't drink water. I can drink half a a glass and I'm done and I'm through and all the rest of it. I just cannot do it unless I'm intentional. So what I do is I get a whole bunch of pennies and I put them down near the coffee pot and then every time I have a glass of water, I take one penny off the, the, the pile and put it there and put it there until I've had eight or nine pennies over here and they're all gone over there and they're over here and I know that I've got my water done for the day. That's intentionality. And if we want to fulfill the purpose that God has for us, first of all, we've got to understand and recognize we've got a a purpose. And secondly, we've got to be intentional to do what God wants us to do. You've got to be intentional about it. It ain't just going to happen. I'm going to read, if if we can, read from the Scripture this morning. It's a very well-known story that you know about. It's It's the Good Samaritan, and it says this. Luke chapter 10. Just then, a religious scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? He answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? He said, that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence, and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, said Jesus. Do it and you'll live. Looking for a loophole, he asked, and just how would you define your neighbor? Here's a guy. He recognized that Jesus was going to tell him something, and probably the truth. But he didn't, he, he, he liked the idea, but he didn't like the result. So Jesus told him the story about There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on the way he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, they beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the the same road, but when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Luckily, no luckily about it, the religious guy went the other way. Then another religious fellow, a a, a Levite, showed up, and he also avoided the, the injured man. a Samaritan. Now, the significance here is that the Samaritans and the Jews had no communication. This was a totally antithi- antithetical, totally opposite of what would be norm for a Samaritan to do, totally. But here was the difference. I'm going to show you the difference. A Samaritan traveling the road came on him, and when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid first aid, disinfecting him and making him comfortable. And in the morning he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him, and if it costs any more, put it on my bill and I'll pay you back on my I'll pay you on my way back. What do you think? Jesus said, Which of these three became a neighbor to the man who attacked the robbers? Well, the one who treated him kindly, the religion scholar responded. And Jesus said, you go and do the same. What was the difference between him and these religious people? His heart went out to him. And I found in my dealings that that, that, that's the root basic problem of how we often don't touch other lives and create a transformation in people is because our heart is not ready to minister or share to the people that come our way. His heart went out to him. Uh, You you remember that through the looking glass, Lewis Carroll said this, if you don't know where you are going, then any road will get you there. If you don't know where you're going, then any road will get you there. See, you, without intentionality, without being intentional, then there's not really much direction. My, my my wife's father was the front office manager of the New York Yankees back in the 60s, and it was a very big time, as you know, those of you who are baseball fans, I'm not, but... The, And and we have lots of memorabilia from all the the Yankees, from Yankee Stadium and and the Yankee ball team. And he was the front office manager, and she got to travel with with them on the team trips and all the rest of it. And uh, Whitey Ford actually spoke at at her father's funeral. So Carol, my wife, knew a lot of the top... In fact, she knew Yogi Berra and Carmen Berra and and had them in their homes. So she she knew all these folks. And Yogi Berra said this, publicly, not to, not to Carol, but he said this, and I thought it was interesting. When you come to a, one, one of these yogis, yogisms, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. See, that's confusing because you don't know which way you're going, but God doesn't want us directionless. I have a friend who, who, goes everywhere, but he he never never carries cash. He only carries credit cards. And I said to him one day, I said, why in the world would you only carry credit cards? You've got to be intentional. See, that's what I want. I want to, Jesus wants us to touch lives that we come in contact with every day. We don't need to go to Zimbabwe to do that. My friend only carries credit cards. I said to him, listen, how can you only carry credit cards if you want to be purposeful as a Christian? Why don't you, this is what I do. I carry 20s, 10s, 5s, and 1s so that if there's a need, I can meet it there. I found the homeless don't have, don't take credit cards. But I found that Jesus wants me to touch a life. I get... You know, in Scotland, we're supposed to be not very generous people. We're supposed to be tight-fisted and all the rest of it. Well, I don't know what happened to me, but the more I fell in love with Jesus, the more I just want to be generous and touch whoever I come in contact with. We, in the church where we attend, there's, there's a lot of, you know, you know, there's a lot of sober houses, sober houses and, and rehab places in South Florida here. It's unbelievable. And we've got a whole group of girls that come from Gratitude House which is in West Palm Beach, and I see all these girls sitting along from us, and one of them is pregnant, and I knew she'd come from Gratitude House. Long story short, she needed help. Now, here she is in the church, sitting next or along from me. What am I going to do? It's not complicated what I'm going to do. Not what I want to do, what I'm going to do. What, if I want to be like Jesus, I've got to meet this needy. She's a single mother, two ba- two children. One 10 years of age and one to be born, no fathers, no men in the, in, the, in the family at all, and she's got a need. So we met the need. For as much and for as long as it would take, we, have to, we met the need. We helped the baby with the birth. We helped all the, all the way along. We, we financed this and we financed that. We got her a job. I had lunch with her this past week. She's beaming. She's sober. She's transformed. Because a Samaritan, his heart went out to him. Third, third thing, and I'll, I'm just, I'll just wind up here in a few minutes. Put on, the, put on Jesus every day. Wear Jesus. I, I can't describe it any better than that. In the, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 3, it says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. This is just my own thing. The Bible says, clothe yourself with the righteousness of Christ. My father had a smell about him that i never forget. He had a sweater, a jersey, a sweater that was blue, and I'll never forget it. And every time I, I, I'd go and snuggle into that sweater and put my nose in there, and I could just, I can still smell it. I can still smell it. If, it was, if that sweater was here today, my father's gone years and years ago, I could tell my father because what he was wearing There's something about a proactive, purposeful, it's maybe, John, John, it's maybe no more than the smile. It's maybe no more than that. I don't have an education. I don't have a degree. On the surface of it, I don't have what the world would tell you is success. Success. But I want to change a life. I still want to leave. No, oh, I won't leave any more footprints in nations. That's that's gone. But I want to get to the grocery store and pay for pay for somebody with food stamps. I don't need to. I don't need to know why why they've got food stamps. I don't need to know that they're that they don't want to work. I don't care if they're on welfare or not. I mean, I I, I don't care. I don't care. That's not my business. I want to be like Jesus. I want to touch life, and to do that, I need to have Jesus. Tu- I need to have my heart touched, like the Samaritan, not like the Levite, not like the priest. They were religious. Oh, let's take religion away and give me Jesus. Amen. Would you rather have Jesus a That's that's what the story of the Good Samaritan is all about. Lastly, participate in cultural transformation. To leave a footprint, something needs to be transformed. Is there any doubt in your mind that we need transformation in America? John read a word in his introduction to me, the word legacy. Inheritance is what you get when you go to heaven. Legacy is, le- is what you leave on earth in Jesus' name by touching lives. My son works for World Vision. He just completed his assignment in Zimbabwe, actually. He was born in Zimbabwe. He just completed his assignment in Zimbabwe where he was over. He, he, he's coming to live in the States. Actually, just yesterday, he arrived back in the U.S. His, his, his position is in D.C. with World Vision. And he, He he was, until yesterday, over, he's he's got a bigger job now, but he was over a a budget of $30 million for girls' education in Zimbabwe. I just, he posted something on Facebook and I was able to put a comment on Facebook. And once again, the tears just came down my eyes as I thought, "Good, good job, son. Good job. You've got it. You've been intentional and it's great. And we've got needs all around us, folks. And you know, it's, 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 our problems are not all about foreign problems coming into this country. ISIS is a problem, terrorism, yes, 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 yes. But we've got problems within ourselves. There's problems from without, but there's also cancers within. And there are some things that, n- that need to change. You see, here's, here's something. Where did the name shoes? I wonder who came up with the name shoes. What in the world is that? I mean, how, I, thought this, I just thought this this week. Shoes. What a random name. It could have been Smocks or anything. I mean, somebody came up with a name, and everybody, everybody around the world calls it shoes. I've got a little grandson that speaks Spanish and English, and Zapatos. Who who came up with zapatos? Oh, Spanish. Who came up with shirt? I don't know. Here. Or no (laughs) hair. I don't understand that. This I understand. This is a smartphone. And this phone is smart. This phone is so smart, I don't understand how to work it. I can. Not really. I can sit on my my I can do everything out of this phone. GPS, weather, music, email, FaceTime, my son in Africa for free. Everything I can do in this smartphone. We are so smart. But we're falling apart on the inside. Did you know that 81% of Pain pills are consumed, opiates are consumed in America. 81% of the world's drugs are consumed in the U.S. Did, did you know that we have 5% of the world's population, but we have 25% of the world's incarcerations? Do you know that 500 people will die this year for, 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 uh, in homicides in Chicago? This year, uh, Chicago, 500 homicides. Do you know that the state of Florida's fourth largest budget, but line item in their budget, is for, for human trafficking in the state? Do you remember that guy, Adam LaRoche, from the, the baseball guy? He gave up $13 million. For, for, because they, they wouldn't let his son come to the baseball club. It wasn't that that I'm talking about, but he went to Thailand with a friend. To, he's a Christian, and he went to Thailand as a friend to get girls who are out of sex trafficking, as young as 10, 12 years of age. Do you know that our nation this, 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 this morning are hooked on pornography? That children as young as 11 years of age are, being, are getting pornography because of this smartphone? I I remember when I was young, if you wanted any porn, you had to go to the top shelf, and it it, it was all hidden behind there, and you couldn't get it. You need to put in one word here, and you're into the most prolific pornography, and it's ruining our families. And we think sometimes, we sometimes think that whoever's in the White House is not going to take care of us. I tell you that. It's going to lose in God's house. That is something within our hearts that needs transforming. We're in turmoil. God wants us transformed from the inside out. He wants us to touch lives. 150 million orphans worldwide. I close with this thought. I don't know if any of you, I forgot to say this in the first service. Have you ever, any of you, seen the, 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 the valspar ad. It's the, it's the ad for paint, valspar, and it's got two chameleons. And these chameleons, I mean, I've seen chameleons, they're amazing things. In fact, if you Google chameleons and don't think there's a god, then go and, go and Google the word chameleons and look, read all about them. I was amazed. I, as I thought about this, I thought, I went and Google, I thought, I was amazed what, 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 how a chameleon turns changes color. It's quite amazing, scientifically. But here's this valsparad, and they have these color swatches. And the chameleons go onto the swatch of color, and they change color in the various paint colors. They go blue, pink, red, and all these colors they change. What's my point? Either with a chameleon, the environment changes them. That environment transforms them. But in the Jesus kingdom, it's our function to change the environment. And what we're facing today in America and in our lives is that we are being changed. Things like this. I don't need an answer from you. we're more worried about prayer in schools or the lack of it, and we don't have much prayer in our homes. We've sort of got a lot of things a little bit round the wrong way if we want to transform ourselves and those around us. Is the culture changing you? Or are you, in Jesus' name touching your life. Everywhere Jesus went, he saw the need and he met it. And that's all I want to do. And that's the purpose why you're here. Is to see a need. Be like the good Samaritan whose heart reached out. You've got to have a heart transformation. My last little story, about two or three months ago, I'm watching television. It was 2020, on one of these shows. And I saw an African-American man being interviewed. He had no bitterness, he had no anger, but his story was that he'd been locked up for 29 years and he was innocent. And the Innocent Project got him freed from the justice system. And I just began to cry. I cried uncontrollably, actually. As I thought, 29 years. And have no animosity and anger, but only forgiveness. And my heart was touched. I don't know what it'll take to touch your heart. That's up to you and God. But it is my prayer this morning that we look at things a little bit differently going forward. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this morning, we give you thanks and we give you praise. And just in the quietness of our hearts right now, we pray that we might be purposeful, intentional, that we might wear Jesus, that we might have receptive hearts and be proactive and be a vessel and a vehicle of transformation in our lives and in the lives of others. Make me and shape me and mold me into who you want me to be. And I ask this in Jesus' name.
0: Amen.